0: And hello and welcome to Let This Mind Be You on a uh, surprise live stream. Um, I was having a little bit of difficulty just uploading some stuff, so I decided tonight that I'm just going to go ahead and just live stream part three of the Gift of God series that we started up, uh, this, this past week. And so I just wanted to briefly just give a introduction. If this is if you're new to the channel, if you're just uh, coming across the live stream here, uh, we're just um. A channel devoted totally to having the mind of Christ, as you saw in the opening. And uh, thanks again for Sister Elizabeth that um, played the piano in that and um, for the introduction and opening. Um, So, just summary real quick of the part one and part two of the series that we've started up so far. Uh, We we started out with um, talking about the gift of God, the exact phrase, the gift of God. And so I started out by saying, that there's eight times that it was used in in the word of god the gift of god i spoke in error Um, i was actually incorrect it is not eight times it is seven times the uh, passage we're about to turn to has it as gift of god not the gift the definitive article of the gift of god so i just wanted to make that correction there but it's pretty neat that it's seven times found in the bible the gift of God. So that's kind of the, you know, that's, if you know anything about the Bible, uh, seven is the number of completion. And, um, so I think it's not a coincidence and we're going to come across some things tonight that are not coincidences in in my opinion. And I'm going to bring some stuff out tonight that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. Um, so with that getting started, um, go ahead and turn, oh, reminder, just go back and watch part one and part two of the, um, Part of the uh, the Gift of God series, it's found under Bible studies under that folder, and you can look it up. But um, and we'll get all the rest of the other stuff out of the way. I want to get started. I want I don't want to make this too long, um, but there's a lot of information here. I want to go ahead and get it covered briefly. But uh, we're going to turn to all the passages of scriptures, so it might take a, a little bit. All right, so we. Like I said, there's a one correction. That's not eight times. It's seven times. Now turn over to First Corinthians chapter six, and uh, I'll just show you. Um, actually, First Corinthians chapter seven and verse seven, and I will just uh, show you how I made a mistake, and I'll own up to it. It says, "For I would, for I would, that all men were even as I myself, but every man that hath his proper gift of God." one after this manner and another, another after that. Paul's speaking about relationships, um, being married and remaining unmarried in his case and so forth and so on. But I want to just, I was going to read that. And when I noticed it wasn't, had, didn't have the definitive article of the gift of God, I was like, I need to make a correction there. And I went back and I wanted to do that right away. And But when I was reading, I was going to read in context a um, a more than just that one verse. I was going to go back into 1 Corinthians 6. Remember, these Pauline epistles are letters to the churches, uh, in this case, the church at Corinth. So with that being said, you can't... Sometimes the chapter breaks are good, you know, for referencing and being able to understand that, but um, it's a letter, so read it in context. And if you back up to uh, verse 19 of, of chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, it says what... Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? I just want you guys to remember this as you're watching this video, whether it's um, later on or you're watching it uh, live. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? That's a question. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's? See, we're a purchased possession. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. So, anybody that's out there claiming that there's no such thing as a um, any sort of a changed life after you're bought with that price, we're a purchased possession, and He's going to chasten him that it, uh, his his children. So, just remember that. Keep that in mind. Have the mind of Christ on this. All right, so as we said, purchase possessions, which leads us to Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is the next time the gift of God is going to be used. Ephesians, and but we're going to not just start reading Ephesians 2.8. Uh, everybody's familiar with that verse. But uh, we're going to start all the way back in Ephesians chapter 1. It won't take long to read through this, but I just want everybody to get this in context. Ephesians chapter 1. Make sure i pull up what i need to pull up here on my digital device here before i turn over there okay so that's coming up so this is the second to the last time the um the term the gift of god is used um in the Bible, the second to the last time, and we'll cover in the next part, uh, the next one, because there's no way we're going to be able to get to it tonight. But um, in first in Ephesians chapter 1, we'll start reading there so we can have good context here, and we'll just read through and let the Bible speak for itself. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Very specific language there. Also, don't get tripped up over predestinated um that'll be something else we can cover at another time to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption that's the first word i want you to notice there verse seven in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. This is still going. It's still the same sentence. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, keeps going, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So that's all one thought there, one sentence. But I just want you to first notice redemption. And when I read this to you, if you're a born-again believer, when you see what the term redemption means, it touched me. It really did. It, it hit me right square smack between the eyes because it says redemption. This is in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. It says, the very first thing it says, it says, repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. The act of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of captives by the payment of the equivalent, ransom, release, as the redemption of prisoners taken in war, the redemption of ships and cargo. That's the very first definition. That should speak to you. That should speak to you. Um, We're in Ephesians 1 right now, brother. But that should speak to you about the redemption. And also, um, if you want to just go ahead, you can actually, I think you can actually rewind um, or go back to the start of the, and get caught up if you'd like to do it that way. But uh, we're in Ephesians 1 right now, speaking about the gift of God coming up here. But if you notice this, it's repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. You know, the fall of man, we were created by God we were his his creation all things were good you know he says uh when he looked at his creation um and saw that it was good we we were his possession and because of our sin our free will and the sin of man sin entered into the world we disobeyed but he had a plan in place to repurchase us it's so great what redemption actually means it's awesome And if you see here, the very, uh, let's keep reading here, because so we stopped in uh, verse 12, verse 13, in whom ye also trusted, still speaking of Christ, after ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, keeps going, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Purchased possession, as we just read in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. We're bought with a price. We are bought. We belong to him. But it's the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So the earnest, if you've bought a house uh, or any kind of thing like that, you put down earnest money. It's there because it's already been purchased. It's the sealing that happens by the Holy Spirit right he's the one that quickens us right well I'm going to be bringing out some stuff tonight and uh, I just want to see I'm not going to come to any conclusions if I say something that sounds conclusive it's because I get excited sometimes but um, let the let the scriptures teach and um, study it out for yourself go to God's word and study it for yourself don't take my word for it all right so redemption. Let's go through some things here on redemption. You uh, you can find uh, redemption found in Romans 3 24, Romans 8 23, of course in Ephesians 1 7, we just saw, and also in Ephesians 4.30, Colossians 1 14, and Hebrews 9 12, and also 15. So all those different places you can find the to term redemption throughout your study. But But uh, we see the purchased possession in verse 14, and then as we read down, I just want you to notice something, because we're going to come up on something. I just made the idea, or I just gave the thought about the Holy Spirit is what quickens us, correct? So let's just keep reading down here, and I just want to point something out grammatically and also in context. Wherefore, Wherefore, verse 15 of Ephesians 1 Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, speaking of uh, the Father. Verse 18 The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. Now he, in this context, remember, this is a personal pronoun. The antecedent before was God, the father, he wrought in Christ when he still the same God father raised him from the dead. Okay. So the, he is referring back to God, the father raised him, him refers back to Christ. This is pretty obvious for in grammar, from the dead, and set him, Christ, at his own, his, as God the Father's own right hand in heavenly places. We see that in Psalms 110, verse 1. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his, Christ, feet and gave him, Christ, to be the head over all things to the church. We know Christ is the head of the body. He is the head of the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Keep reading. And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. Now wait a minute. Who does the quickening? Read it in context again on your own time. But uh, it seems like to me that it's the Father that quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. But I want to stop right there and talk about something else. So reread verse 17, all the way down through there, through uh, verse 1 of chapter 2 in context. And then I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five. If you've tuned into this channel before, you know that I took a stand on the biblical Godhead. That God is one person. There's three distinctions that can separate, but there's no contradiction in the Bible, okay? None. So just remember that as we go into this. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45. Okay. And so it is written, remember we talked about Adam here, the first man Adam was made a living soul, We can see that in Genesis 1. The last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. Wait a minute. So Jesus Christ is the one that does the quickening. Well, turn over to Colossians 2.13. Colossians 2 and verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. If you read this in context, we know uh, Colossians 2, uh, verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ, for in him, speaking of Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay? All the way down through there, we can see that quickening, whom he hath quickened, Hath he quickened. Okay. Now turn over to First Peter chapter three. Remember, I, I don't want to make any conclusions here. I want everybody to take this on your own, read it, make sure you read it grammatically correct, and you read, and if you come across a personal pronoun, you find out where the antecedent is. What that personal pronoun is referring back to. First Peter chapter three and verse eighteen. It says here, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened quickened, by the Spirit. Okay? So the Spirit quickens. The Father quickens. Jesus quickens. There's no contradiction in the Scripture. Just remember that and study it out on your own. On your own time, but um, it's very interesting. One person. Three separate distinctions that can separate, that have different uh, roles and responsibilities, different functions. One God. Now, I said in, in past studies that I can't explain how those things work out because great is the mystery of godliness. I can't figure that stuff out. I take it by faith. But what I also have to do is read God's word for what it says. And um, I can't sit there and just say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Therefore, I I need to try to explain it away. I just read it for what it says. Okay. And take it by faith. There's no contradiction in scripture. So if it says the father quickened. Okay. If it says Jesus is quickening spirit. Okay. He quickens. Okay. The spirit quickens. I, I take it for what it says. This is my authority right here, okay? All right, let's keep reading back in uh, Ephesians. So we left off in verse one, and it says, "And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we have had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh." fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 2, you can see that this kind of makes sense. Paul has mentioned this before, talking about the mind. These things are spiritually discerned. The mind, also the natural man, as it speaks of in 1 Corinthians 2. But God, I love that part in, in Ephesians 2.4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. A little side note, when it says made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that's not future tense. Notice that, it's present tense. I don't know what to think about that other than that makes um, for another good study for, on a different day. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Very interesting. For by grace are ye saved through faith, amen, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, I just want to make a, a little bit of a side point here in a second. But notice there that for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. The gift of God there is grace. The Holy Spirit coming in. That grace that's there that was offered. So awesome. The free gift, the gift of God, grace. So that's it in part three, um, mentioning of the gift of God, but we're not done. I want to give you something for free tonight, okay? I'm not charging for this, but this is for free. I want you to notice something because I, you know, you ever read your Bible and you're just kind of just, well, I'm just cruising along here and then something just explodes off the page and you're like, whoa, wait a minute let me, let me go study this out. Well, um, several, several weeks ago at our local church body here, we've been going through, um, the book of Exodus and the book of Hebrews at the same time. And as we were going through Exodus, one of my brothers was reading, uh, Exodus chapter 31. And as they, we were reading through there, I noticed something and I was like, huh, let me go talk to him about that. So we did, we were, um, fellowshiping afterwards and, I just brought it up to him. I said, hey, kind of check this out and see what you think about this. So I want you, everybody, to understand that I'm not making any kind of, like, definitive, this is what this means. But again, like I said, I don't believe in coincidences in the word of God. And it says here in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship. Now, Go back to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31, and in context here, what's happening is that uh, God's giving the commandments or, and also giving all the examples of the temple, the tabernacle, um, letting Moses know about that. And turn it, if you would, if you're there, go ahead and start reading in verse 1. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 1. If I can ever get there. There we go. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Very interesting. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, workmanship, And it talks about how he was the one that was going to be in charge because he knew all these things, but the Spirit of God. (laughs) The Lord told Moses that I'm going to, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, but he's of the tribe of Judah. Now, if normally if you're just thinking about this, you're like, well, okay, that's not a big deal. Except for the fact that there was Levites were the ones that were part of the priesthood, right? They were the called out, chosen uh, tribe of Israel that were going to be the priesthood. So you would think that they, somebody from there, God would put the Spirit of God and have him understand how to do all these things and do all the workmanship. But it's of the tribe of Judah. And when I saw a tribe of Judah, that should ring a bell because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God, the seed of David, you know, Jesus Christ, through the lineage of David, uh, wow. Okay. That, what does that mean, brother D'Angelo? I don't know. Um, take it for what you will, but he's of the tribe of Judah. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Except for the fact that it shows, says workmanship. This is the first time workmanship is used in the King James Bible. We just read the last time in Ephesians two ten. So turn over next. So you saw that workmanship was used in verse three. You see down in verse uh, 5, it's used again, so that's the second time. And then also over in Exodus 35. Exodus 35. In verse 31. And over there, uh, we can kind of back it up a little bit. Uh, Verse 30, And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. So Moses is telling the children of Israel this now. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Just keeps going right down through there, but that's the third time workmanship is used in the Bible for the tabernacle. That's kind of interesting, right? All right, so you're like, where's this going? Well, a uh, little spoiler alert, the term, the word workmanship in the King James Bible is used seven times. The gift of God, that phrase is used seven times. So I just thought, well, wow, that's that's kind of interesting. Until I re- read Ezekiel, or excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 10. 2 Kings, this is, this is at the point when I started just going through there because the Lord just was like pop workmanship. It just came off the page several, several weeks ago. And as I was studying for this, I was like, well, let me look up and see if it's used anywhere else. Second Kings chapter 16, and in verse 10 is when you'll see workmanship used again. But if you back it up just in context here, it says in, in verse 1, in the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliel, or Rem- Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Okay, Ahaz is the king that's now reigning. 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign and reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God like David his father. So if you've done all the study of these uh, kings and all this kind of stuff, there would be kings that would do right in the sight of God. And there would be kings that did not. Now, I want you to notice, if you read down through here, what this Ahaz does. It's very interesting. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son to pass through the fire. That's the fire of a mulloch. Okay, that's, uh, that's child sacrifice. According to the abomination of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. This guy is a bad dude. Okay, and he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to war, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. Hmm. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, recovered Elath to Syria and drave the Jews from Elath, and the Syrians came to Elath and dwelt there unto this day. Interesting. I don't really have anything to do with what we're going through. I don't think, but so verse seven. So Ahaz sent messengers to a word that I cannot pronounce. Okay. Not even going to try. King of Assyria saying, I am thy servant and thy son come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Syria and out of the hand of the king of Israel, which rise up against me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord. Now, what is that? That's in the, te- that's in the temple. It's in the tabernacle or excuse me, that is in the temple because it's been built by this point. Interesting. He took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent it for a present to the king of Assyria. Now, for prophecy, no, I'm just not going to touch that. If you've studied prophecy, you know what Assyria, the Assyrian is. And the king of Assyria hearkened unto him, for the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it and carried the people of it captive to Kerr and slew resin. And King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet that guy, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest, the fashion of the altar, and the pattern of it according to all the workmanship thereof. Now, when I read this, I said, man, this this sounds really strange. I, I don't understand what this is even talking about. But notice this is the fourth time. It's smack dab in between The seven, the number of completion. Now, what that did to me, it just kind of resonated. I was like, "Man, this guy's a bad dude. He's doing stuff in the in the temple." Oh, wait a minute, just like the Antichrist, the abomination of desolations, what takes place in midway between the time of Jacob's trouble, which is a week of days, which is seven years. I look, folks. It's too much to be a coincidence, but I'm just gonna—I'm not making any conclusions. But it's right smacking the dab in the middle of it. Uh, It's—it reminded me of the Antichrist. Read it for yourself. And then in First Chronicles chapter 28, this is really interesting. So the very next time that the term workmanship is used is in First Chronicles chapter 28. And you're like, brother Michael, where are you going with all this stuff? I told you this is free you can uh you can take it or leave it it's I'm not uh trying to say that this is some sort of huge thing or anything like that, but it it kind of spoke to me, and I was like, man this is pretty cool i'm I'm gonna bring it out tonight because it's gonna tie back into why I needed to make the correction hmm so first chronicles chapter twenty eight and verse twenty one it says here. Uh, Let's back up to verse 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. And there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship. Every willing, skillful man for any manner of service, also the princes and of all the people will be holy at thy commandment. This is interesting because I kind of said, okay, what happens at the time of Jacob's trouble? The true king comes back. Jesus Christ, he rules and reigns for a thousand years. The millennial reign as it's commonly known of Christ. And in that, if you read in Ezekiel and other places, there's a millennial temple. Look, folks, well, it's kind of strange that that's the very next time it's found in the Bible. Look, I don't—I'm not trying to be spooky about all this stuff, but check out what's the next reference to workmanship. Because what happens at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, at the end of a thousand years, as you read in Revelation, at the end of a thousand years, Satan is loosed for a little while to deceive the nations, and he rises up one more time. So, what do you think, Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight? is referring to if you've read your Bible you probably already know if you've studied this out but this is too good at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ remember we just had the time of Jacob's trouble which is the Antichrist that was second Kings 16 verse 10 the term use of workmanship that's what I equated it to and then you had the true king The good temple, the workmanship is used there in First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 21, starting in verse 19 down through 21. And then the next time workmanship is used is in Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 13. So let's read it. Verse 13, it says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, And gold, the workmanship, there it is, of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. This is speaking of Satan. So at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, the very next time we're equating this in the Bible, the very next time that it's used, workmanship is used, we see Satan is loose for a short period of time to deceive the nations. And if I didn't think, I was like, well, okay, so that's the sixth time it's used the very next time that it's used is back there in ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10 where it says for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus unto good works which god hath before ordained that we should walk in them wherefore remember that ye being in time past gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision of flesh made of hands and you can read down all the way through here especially verse 13 but now in christ jesus ye who sometimes were afar off made nigh by the blood of christ for he is our peace, who hath made both one and broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. At the end of the thousand-year reign, Satan is loose for a while, and then he is... Then he is cast, along with death and hell, into the lake of fire. The judgment of of that, and God creates all things new. And then there's no more need for any kind of temple or anything like that. We worship the king at the throne for all of eternity. So all that and studying the gift of God, that, that little part was free about workmanship. Just study it out on your own. Just see the seven times that workmanship is used in the Bible, and um, it's pretty interesting. But this brings us back to 1 Corinthians, where we started out the night, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, because as it says that we're created in Christ Jesus, we're like his workmanship, as it said in Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's how serious it is. But notice that the temple is a temporary thing. One day, we're going to leave this temple either in death or in death. But he said that he would redeem us. Remember that purchase possession? The earnest payment has been made already, which is the Holy Ghost, as we've studied all through here. But one day, our whole body, soul, and spirit will be redeemed. That whole purchase possession. It's not up to us. He promised that he would do these things. Man, it's so good. The fact that we can see those things... In the pages of scripture, also as a good reference, if you want to look at, uh, we can turn over there real quick before we close it down for tonight. John chapter 2 and verse 20. John chapter 2 and verse 20. I thought it was interesting just that, that little discussion about workmanship, but again, don't take my word for it. Let the Spirit teach. Go to God's word. Just because something I saw, I could be completely way off. Who knows? So make sure you try the Spirit and make sure, as I did, I, I didn't see anything that contradicts it in any scripture. So, But verse 22 or 20 of John chapter 2, and we'll close with this. Then said the Jews, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So we know we are created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. We are his body. He is the head. All those different things that we made from just reading the plain scripture tonight, just reading it for what it says. Isn't God's word awesome? You don't have to try to look for secret codes or anything like that all i was doing was just looking up a word workmanship and those things just kind of popped out to me it could be for that but maybe it was just for something for me and it may not be for you but um uh, the fact that we can read the plain scripture and for what it says is amazing simply amazing so thank you for joining me on this uh surprise um uh, pop-up live stream like i said um i was i've been producing these um the gift of god series but i was having a little bit of trouble with it the other night trying to get uh part two which by the way go back and look at part one and part two they're up on the uh, page under bible study folder um, if you want to look for them specifically the gift of god series but um man it was it was a little bit difficult to get that so i was like you know what i'll just go ahead and do a live stream tonight and uh, that should make it a little bit uh, more simple. It just automatically uploads. Uh, so, went a little bit over the time amount of time I wanted to go, but don't forget LTMBIY at yahoo.com. Also, um, you can check out this audio version here probably in a couple, about 20 minutes. You can check it out on iHeartRadio uh, podcast and also Apple podcast under Let This Mind Be in You Ministries podcast. And if you want to check it out there. Also look at the um, the Facebook page to stay up to date. I didn't have a chance to even post it up there on Facebook saying, hey, I'm going live, but um, you have to be also make sure you click the notification bell, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell. So if I ever do go live like this, surprisingly, um, it'll pop up and uh, you'll be notified for it. Okay, so that's it for tonight. Uh, thank you for joining me on Let This Fine Be In You. Um, just leave me any kind of comments or... Any, any kind of thoughts or, or stuff like that. We didn't have as much like fellowship or question and answer time. This was just trying to get the, um, the actual study uploaded uh, a little bit quicker. So I appreciate you joining me tonight on Let This Mind Be In You. Um, I love you in the Lord. God bless. Be good ambassadors. Walk worthy. Walk worthy through the power of the Spirit. That's it for now. God bless.